Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back to History for Weirdos. This is episode number 37 of the History for Weirdos podcast. And Andrew is going to regale us with a story this week. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Very, very nice and straight to the point. Yes. How are you? I mean, I I know because I've been with you all day. Well, but... I've been with you this entire weekend. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> good. Same. I'm yes. doing well as, as well. Oh, good, good. Quad. Right. Quad Listeners, right. how are you all doing? Wow, oh. so rude. You guys didn't even say anything. Okay, wow. okay. not even going to answer. So I guess <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us what tale do you have for us this week? Ooh, I have a tale for you guys. Mm-hmm. I think, listeners, you will especially appreciate this one. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we, we're going to cover something that's strange. Yeah. I mean, given that we are the History for Weirdos <laughs> podcast... That shouldn't be outside the norm. Right. That's what people are here for. Yes. And this has to be one of the stranger events Mm -hmm. that I I think we have covered so far. Um, And again, we usually stick to historical figures. But, you know, I looked past to our past episodes and we haven't done an event since episode 15. Really? That long? Yeah. So it's been a while. Um, That's when we discussed the very first recorded labor strike in history. And that was in ancient Egypt. If you guys haven't heard it, I suggest maybe taking a listen. Um, so we're going to do an event again this time. But unlike an organized, you know, event that kind of changed the course of human history, this was a man-made disaster and complete accident. Uh-oh. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun episode. It's a fun episode. Well, you know what? I'll get to it in a second. But on the surface, I think this is really kind of funny. But when you dive deep, it's actually just... The tragedy. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good time. Uh, <laughs> so, that being said, floods are unfortunately not that uncommon. Right. You know, they happen every year and are typically in- incredibly dangerous. This isn't exactly new information. Yeah, floods equal bad. Equal bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, even ask the ancient Romans. The Tiber all this, would flood the, all the time. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, this is the flood of this year. And then the very next year, this is this flood. And then yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So, but let's for a moment take a step back and imagine a flood, but with no water. Okay. Air flood. An air flood. (laughs) (laughs) No, not exactly. Okay. And you did hear that correctly, though. A flood with no water, but another liquid. And that liquid, in this case, is molasses. A flood of molasses. A flood of molasses. So it's the Great Molasses Flood? It's the Great Molasses Flood of 1919, baby. Wow. Yes. So you may have heard the term slows molasses to depict someone who is not a quick runner. However, I think your thoughts are going to change on this matter after we go through the story. My dad told me once that I was slow as molasses when you, I was a kid. Well, you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a speedy person. Yeah, no. I'm not agile. You're not agile. But this, it sounds like, if it's a flood, so it's not a slow-moving flood? No. 
Okay. Yeah, your your thoughts on this will change, and it is very interesting. So let's just get to the right down to it, right? We're setting the scene. It's Boston, Massachusetts, January of 1919. So it's cold. It's cold. Yeah, of course. The First World War is finally over. Yay! I literally put in my notes, hooray. Hooray! Because I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So no one knows that a second, even worse war is on its way, and that the stock market is going to be just crashing in about 10 years. So life is all right, I suppose. You know, despite there being the Spanish influenza at this time. Oh, right. Right after the war, they had the Spanish flu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like kind of good times, but, you know, we'll... S- it's a slight reprieve from the yeah. hardship that everyone was experiencing. I mean, yeah, they called... At the time, they called the First World War the Great War. So mm-hmm. it was like the most devastating war in the history of humanity up until this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Kind of a good time, I guess, now that the war is over. At post- least for Americans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I actually mentioned the First World War, too, because molasses was important for the war effort, believe it or not. How so? So, when fermented, it can be used for munitions or explosives. What? Yeah, I didn't, I did not know that until I, I researched this. You can explode molasses? Yeah, because it ferments and then explodes, and, well, it, it comes into play in the story. I would think it's, I would think it hard to ferment molasses, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not a physicist, so I can't tell you, a but... physicist. <laughs> physicist I, listening to this. Yeah, phys- or know. chemist. Chemist. Oh my, see, that's how little I know about, like, the, those, like, sciences. Um, yeah, I was not a very good at science in, in school. Yeah, or, or, or food yeah. chemists, even. Food chemists, yeah, there we go. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but obviously when not fermented, it's just a sweet sugary liquid, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe saying sugary is a little redundant, but very sweet. So moving to the narrative, like of the war, molasses production was very hastily increased to meet current demand, you know, especially early on in the middle of the war. Mm -hmm. Therefore, corners were most likely cut in terms of safety. You can assume and speculate to. Right. And, you know, of course, this will not have any negative consequences whatsoever, right? I'm sure it does, because we're talking about a tragedy. (laughs) You prefaced it with that. That's true. (laughs) Well, at 529 Commercial Street in the North End neighborhood of Boston, there stood a molasses production plant. Okay. And at this plant, there was a tank that had been leaking molasses for years by this point. And no one noticed? Oh, they noticed. Oh. Um, in fact, neighborhood kids would run up to the leak and actually collect the liquid to drink in like little mugs. Oh, that's so little cute. Little cups. Yeah. And I mean, it's sugar, so no wonder the kids liked it. Of course. Yeah. They probably were addicted to the <laughs> yeah. molasses Yeah, it was leak. like literally addicting. Um, this was a massive tank, mind you. So it was like 50 feet high, 90 feet wide, and could hold up to 2.3 million gallons. That's a lot of molasses. That's a lot of molasses. And for, I think, for our folks that don't use the U.S., you know, gallon system, yeah, water fluid ounce system, whatever, I think I read that that's like 6.7 million liters that sounds like a liquid. lot. It's a lot of. It's a lot of. I would liquid. guess that's right. That's exactly that what I was right. thinking. Yeah, you think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, this and to your point, this leak was brought to the attention of senior management of the Purity Distilling Company, which was a subsidiary of the United States Industrial Alcohol Company. Oh. And what did they do? Do you think to fix this problem? They um, 
got like a big band-aid and put it on the side. No, that would actually have been even more work than what they did because what they did was nothing. They did nothing? They did absolutely nothing. Because, like, to them it was like, oh... Oh, just a little bit is leaking out. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's not even worth the cost to fix because, like, what's leaking out must must not be worth a whole lot. That's weird. You would think you wouldn't want your product leaking out into the street, though. Yeah, it's just that I don't think... Again, it was. I think it was so little that they thought that, like, it just... It was the juice wasn't worth the squeeze to them. Okay. Like it literally would cost more to fix it than like the value of the product that they were losing. Okay. So it's just a pure numbers to them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm. That's what I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Just as someone who works, who used to work in corporate finance and works in strategy now. You think that's what they were thinking? That's what I'm, I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in my notes, I put big oof. Big oof. Big oof. Because that is literally it was a big oof on their part. So now let's just get right into it. Mm-hmm. It's the morning of January 15th, 1919. The temperature had risen to above 40 degrees Fahrenheit, or 4 degrees Celsius for our folks who don't know Fahrenheit. Excuse me. And this was just from when it was freezing just days before. Like, literally the day before and a couple days before, it was, like, freezing. And then it shot up to, you know, above 40 degrees, which is now not freezing. So, Uh so cold, but not freezing. And I know what happens to containers when it gets warmer. Yeah, and not only that... It was also, the tank was just filled with warm molasses that, from the day before. Oh, So you had no. that, you had the leak, you had now, and also now the temperature rising. It was a perfect storm. Structural weakness in the tank and the thermal expansion of the molasses. Right. There's a literal leak. There's a crack yeah. in the tank. And then phalanges, this is not going to be good. Phalanges is not going to be good. <laughs> 12.30 p.m., witnesses described what they had heard as loud popping noises that sounded like a machine gun. Oh, my God. And what they think was that was like the rivets being like kind of like... Popping out. Like popping out. Oh, my God. Like a cartoon. Like a cartoon almost. Yeah. And additionally, they heard what was described as a loud roar accompanied by what felt like an earthquake. Oh, no. So what happens next is shocking. Uh-huh. A 25 to 30 foot high wave of molasses going at a top speed of around 35 miles per hour. This is molasses. And again, I remember when I told you slow as molasses, that gives you kind of a new sense to that term. That's definitely definitely not what my dad meant when he said I was slow as molasses. No, because this molasses at 35 miles per hour is faster than Usain Bolt. I would not describe Usain Bolt as slow as molasses. That's nuts. And such a large wave. Yeah, 25 to 30 feet high. Also, it was about 160 feet wide as well. Oh, my God. So it could wipe out like a block. Yeah, I mean, this is a... I mean, it's crazy Like to think of like, basically like a, a wall of sugar coming right at you. Yeah, fast. But, and fast, mm-hmm. yeah. Not like not like a kind of like slow-moving like lava that you see. Yes, that's you know? how I pictured it when you said molasses flood. That's exactly what I pictured was right. like... Lava kind of like inching, you know, going inch by inch really slowly, not like a tidal wave. It was a, it was literally like a tidal wave. Oh my God. So people, quote, were picked up by a rush of air and hurled many feet, end quote, according to the Boston Globe. Mm-hmm. Others had debris hurled at them due to the force of the flood. One truck, get this, was even tossed into the Boston Harbor. <gasps> and this is all just to give you a little bit of an example of how intense this kind of tidal wave, flood, whatever you want to call it, was. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it was intense. At least 150 people were injured, by the way, with this. Mm. And 
um, 21 people sadly died, including two 10-year-old children. So, oh my god, 21 people? 21 people died. Even a few horses died as well. Oh my god. What a tragedy to befall this community. I know. The, like you said at the beginning, like it was probably just like a funny cork, like... Exactly. Oh, there's like a leak in the molasses tank and the kids go and drink it and then it turns into this catastrophe. Like catastrophe is the best way to explain it. That is so sad. And, you know, and th- again, this is like molasses that we're talking about here. So this isn't water, right? Uh-huh, if it was just can't... water, it's just, it's it's done. But the, there's a lot of damage that happened <gasps> after the fact, right? I didn't even think of that. So immediately you have this massive like wave, it crashes. And I'm assuming within like two minutes, it essentially just becomes like very viscous yeah and it, it as it cools right and yeah. so now it's like it is that slow moving right you know um lava like like you know, liquid i suppose yeah but it's like it's really dense and you can get, get stuck in it i was gonna say i bet the people who were injured unfortunately and the people who passed away maybe they were stuck inside yeah. molasses yeah, that'd be a horrible way to die oh my but god i'm gonna read a first-hand account of what was published <gasps> in the smithsonian in 1983 from a survivor okay anthony distasio walking homeward with his sisters from the michelangelo school was picked up by the wave and carried tumbling on its crest almost as though he were surfing then he grounded and the molasses rolled him like a pebble as the wave diminished he heard his mother call his name and couldn't answer. His throat was so clogged with the smothering goo. He passed out, then opened his eyes to find three of his four sisters staring at him. We know that the fourth sister ended up dying. From, oh she was the ten year, one of the ten-year-olds that died. So the three of the four and the one that wasn't there. Oh my god. Yeah. Also, how scary <clears throat> to like... I, anyone like picturing like your mom's calling you and you probably open your mouth to answer to yell help or I'm here and your throat is clogged with molasses. Yeah, and that's the thing with like water, you can just like kind of spit it out and like right. you know like you cough it up and it's still horrifying, right? But this is just worse because it's like viscous and it's just like caked in there. Like, could you perform CPR on someone who has molasses in their throat? Probably not. I don't. I think you'd have to like reach in like like have them gag and like throw up or throwing up is probably because of the acidity of the vomit would probably be the best thing yeah Mm -hmm. exactly oh wow but people horses even dogs were all recorded as having Mm. coughing fits for the next few days i'm sure as you know obviously this settled down and in the aftermath it took the boston police department the red cross the army and the (gasps) navy to help clean the mess up Oh my god! So it was a massive effort. So what they eventually, for the first few days, they were just—I I don't even know what they were doing, honestly. But it wasn't whatever it was. It wasn't very helpful. But they ended up doing after a few days is using salt water from the harbor oh. to kind of just like spray and disperse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disperse the molasses. It washed into the harbor, and the, for the next like six months, the harbor was like brown from the molasses. <laughs> oh god! I know. Um, and what's incredible is for the rest of the year, like people track the stuff everywhere. It went everywhere from like public places, like the subway to restaurants to just meeting places in public, right? Their life like park was benches. caked in molasses. Yeah. Even homes, private homes. Right. All caked in molasses <sighs> for at least a year. Can you, aside from obviously huge tragedy, and that is, I can't imagine how scary this was, but then after, could you imagine the annoyance 
of everything being sticky. Everything being sticky. For like a year. Yeah. And Your car is sticky. Your gets, couch is sticky. Right. And it gets weirder too. Oh my gosh, I bet. Um, it just, okay, so it just straight up didn't go away. In <laughs> fact, like for decades, babe, decades, people would comment or complain that the area smelled really sweet, like molasses. It smelled too sweet? It smelled like that. It became like a characteristic of that area in Boston that it just, it was real, the air was sweet. Oh, For wow. decades. It took decades for it to go away. Because that's a... That's a long-ass time. That's a long-ass time because that's a shit ton of molasses they have yeah. fall upon them. Imagine, like... So this happened just at the end of, like, World War One, right? Mm-hmm. It, what's crazy is to think that maybe right at the beginning of World War Two, you could still smell it. Yes. Oh, my God. That is so weird to think about. Yeah, that's really, really weird to think about. Um, ultimately, and unsurprisingly... The U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company was sued in a class action lawsuit. Yes, absolutely, because it was very negligent it of was, them. They were negligent, mm-hmm. and that's what the courts found. Um, interestingly, this was one of the first class action lawsuits in Massachusetts history and would help pave the way for corporate responsibility nationwide. You know what's so funny is I didn't think to say it, but when you were saying they were like, oh, we're not going to do anything about the whole, it's because corporations companies back then didn't care about their workers or the community or like environmental impact anything like that well now they just pretend to care but they were still don't now they pretend to care (laughs) and there are laws though like obviously there's the reason unfortunately so many of these laws are in place and these standards are in place are in response to tragedies yeah like this Mm -hmm. like big fires and things like that that happened due to like negligent work environments Mm mm-hmm and these corporations, that's the only way they could be held responsible. Right. It's almost like after the fact. It's so frustrating. Instead of them just being like, huh, why don't we just take care of people? Yeah. No. no. Too hard. Too hard. It's too <laughs> difficult. Well, they pay for it. So the company would eventually pay out 200, or I'm sorry, $628,000 in damages or, you know, that translates to a little over $10 million today. That's a lot of money. It is a lot. I'm surprised, though, because I feel like if this were to happen today, they would be paying out, like, at least $100 million, I feel like. I think it's because, though, there is precedent now. We expect right. those big payouts. You said this was the first class action lawsuit in Massachusetts, right? Right. So that's probably why this was... Yeah. Everyone was probably like, oh, wow, that's a lot of money. And they must have felt like it was an adequate right. um, sum. Exactly. Obviously not adequate some to ever replace the damages of the lives lost and things like that, but I'm sure the families felt the impact of the money they got. No, absolutely. And in fact, it's funny you mentioned that, like we know also that each family of the person of each person killed excuse me, received seven thousand dollars each, or you know, in today's that's a little over a hundred thousand dollars in mm-hmm. today's money, probably closer maybe to like a hundred and ten or hundred and fifteen, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so still like, again, like that's, that's a decent sum, but not like today it would be millions. It would be millions. And how sad, like, cause every single one of those families would rather have their loved one. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like a, a gajillion percent would rather just have their loved one. And the, it was just such a simple solution. Like figure out a way to patch up the hole. Right. Well, <laughs> we'll get to it actually in a little bit. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So 
But before we do, I just want to say this event, again, unsurprisingly captured the mm. public's interest. And this went down pretty much immediately into folklore because of it's just absurdly bizarre nature, right? No one. And when you were saying that, like, the Navy and the Army weren't doing things right, like, no one's prepared for a molasses flood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. None, none of them were trained in right. how to handle, like, a tidal wave of molasses aftermath. Yeah. I mean, it's just so it's insane. It's so weird. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, you know what I love, too, is, like, that history meme page I follow. Uh-huh. I mean, they even had, they even, quote, unquote, covered this, you yes, know, a I've few seen, times. I've seen the memes before. Right. Yeah. It's so insane. But it sounded, it sounds like, I think I partially thought it was... Just, like, a leak or something, right? Yeah, like, folklore. Like you said, like, a silly story that got, that kind of got blown out of proportion. But this is actually, like, a massive event, it a massive a, tragedy. I mean, yeah, it was a huge tragedy in that, that neighborhood and, and, uh... Boston just got completely like overrun by molasses. Their lives impacted by molasses. Yeah, it is. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting. Going to, back to your point, multiple studies within the last ten years have really examined what caused this. Oh wow! Yeah, in the last ten years, what have caused this, and have even made simulations of this <laughs> event. Because of course. Because of course, that does um, sound interesting. The long story short, because. I'm not a structural engineer. I'm not, I don't like this. A lot of this stuff, honestly, is just way above my head. But the long story is that the containers were too thin. Like Mm. the metal was too thin. It should have been a lot thicker Mm -hmm. to contain the molasses. And and obviously the holes certainly didn't help. So there were structural like weaknesses that were outside of like just the holes themselves. Yeah. You couldn't have just patched the hole. They needed to reinforce the whole container. Exactly. Which I don't think they knew at the time. Um, so this was like stuff that we have figured out since. Right. I mean, they're, like you said, they're last 10 years. Yeah, exactly. They're really looking at it. Um, also there was apparently a lack of manganese. So a metallic alloy, which apparently contributed to the structural weakness again. What the Not an engineer. I know. I'm like. The fact that some people are smart enough to know those things. I know. And I'm just like, yeah. That's amazing. I literally put, uh, sorry, I'm not a structural engineer, so I can't talk about that more. No questions, please. Please don't ask us any questions Don't ask us questions. I can't answer them. (laughs) But most interestingly, one study by Harvard concluded that the speed and the height of the tidal wave of molasses was indeed accurate. Oh, really? Yeah. Just from people's observations and proximations. So they they took they gathered a bunch of data of mm-hmm. like, you know, how obviously how molasses works, right? <laughs> but then also like the temperatures and uh, of like the days leading up and the like end of on the day of right. as well as, you know, information from newspapers and first-hand accounts mm-hmm. kind of plugged it all into a um a, a like model a simulation. Of sorts. Yeah, yeah, like a simulation and they ran it and true enough like that's what happened. Like that's so crazy. I also pictured someone working on an Excel sheet that's just titled like how molasses works. Dat- <laughs> data on how molasses works. Riveting. Riveting. No pun intended. Oh, the rivets. Oh. <laughs> so dark, baby. No, but I think they what they ended up doing is they had like a model like portion built like of the of the city and they like cr- like let molasses kind of like run through and it like and matched up to like the descriptions of like what actually happened, that but sounds, on a miniature scale. That sounds exactly like something they would have done in Bones. Yes, it definitely like the TV Hod- show Bones. The TV show Bones, where Hodgins like conducts experiments to see, you know, like how someone was murdered or whatever. I feel like they would have done this. I think so. I think they would have. Yeah. So at the time of this recording, a baseball field now stands where the tank was located. 
Very Boston. Very Boston, I feel like. They do like baseball. So yeah, that whole area was turned into like kind of like a recreational park. Okay. Um, yeah, it's actually quite pretty. I looked on it in Google Maps. Um, and in fact, like on the 100th anniversary of the disaster, there was a memorial held where people gathered above and around the foundation of the tank. Um, and they were able to find it because of ground penetrating radar. And in oh fact... Oh my God. Yeah, like, and so they know exactly where the tank was, like literally right exactly where it is and the, it's like the foundation's about 20 about two feet i'd say um a little less than two feet underneath the baseball field that's so crazy <laughs> isn't that nuts yeah one day that's gonna be dug up in like an archaeological site or something they're gonna be like what the heck is this thing <laughs> yeah what could they have used this for <laughs> and then yeah two thousand years from now they'll be like oh my god they read these reports in ancient english on this in ancient english it seems they worshipped molasses <laughs> in this part of the world <laughs> that is crazy oh, if they go to disneyland they'll be like oh my god they worship this mouse like god <laughs> this mouse like god <laughs> wow babe that is nuts this might be a dumb question but are there any, like, pictures of the aftermath? Yeah, there's quite a few. Okay, cool. Yeah. I want to post those. Yeah, yeah. I want to look and see. There's a few. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of good ones. Oh, everyone's... You see the wreckage. I mean, it looked like it was a bomb. And in fact, <gasps> I didn't mention this, but the first story that the, you know, that um, the, the company, the U.S. Industrial Alcohol Company, what they said happened was that it was bombed by anarchists. No! Instead of admitting blame, the truth. They tried to blame anarchists? Yeah, they're like, oh, because, you know, we make these for munitions and therefore anarchists. And it sounded like a bomb probably to it, the people listening. Yeah, or to the people in the area. Anarchists, we're not that, we're not as bad as people say we are. <laughs> okay, I don't like my kind being blamed. Your kind. Yeah. Anarchy is cool. Spread the word. Says the former VA employee. Yeah, especially. <laughs> especially now. I think that's what radicalized you. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Oh, well, that is the story of the Great Molasses Flood of 1919. That was very unexpected. Right? Yeah. Nothing, like That is nothing like what I pictured it to be. So thank you so much for sharing that story You're very with welcome. us. And before I forget, I want to share my sources. We have NBC News. NPR, History.com, Encyclopedia Britannica, and of course, our absolute favorite, Wikipedia. Those are good sources. They I are. like it. And 1919, wow, I can't but like, it's crazy to think that that was just a little over 100 years ago. Like, it feels right. like a different era. Like, yeah. you think of other times in human history, not a ton changes in 100 no. years. But, like, we live in a different world. I mean, like, I, I know in, like, ancient Greece, for example, you could be using, like, 100-year-old armor and weapons, mm-hmm. you know, or armor, yeah, armor weapons um, that your, you know, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather might have used, right? Especially, like, in places like Sparta, you know, where, like, That's stuff nuts. got passed down. But, like, 100 years ago, like, the weapons used are way obsolete now. It's crazy how quickly our world changes. Yeah. How, how it's been changing now. That was amazing. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I'm glad you liked it. And listeners, I hope you guys liked it as well. Yes, please feel free to share with us any weird um, events or historical catastrophes that you think we should cover mm-hmm. in future episodes. You can leave us a comment on Instagram. We are at History for Weirdos on Instagram. You can also email us, historyforweirdos at gmail.com. 
Please also do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe for this podcast. You all have done such an amazing job of helping this podcast grow. Yes. And we are very grateful to you. Absolutely, guys. And until next time. Until next time, weirdos. Adios. Adios.